Welcome to Be Flossom, the Good Enough Podcast. This show encourages entrepreneurs to embrace their flaws and be awesome, promote their business without shame on social media, and grow it to support the life they truly desire to live. I'm your host, Anita Kirkbride, social media trainer and brainstormer extraordinaire, founder of the Flossom League Social Media Academy for Business and Twerp Communications, Inc. Today, I'm speaking with Connie Vanderzanen. She's an advocate for women seeking lasting financial success in business and the creator of the Going Beyond Revenue Cash Handling System. She has over 30 years of accounting and bookkeeping experience. And both as a speaker and as an accounting professional, Connie understands that business owners simply aren't hardwired to understand numbers the same way accountants are. I can attest to that. (laughs) Through real-life scenarios and a dose of humor, Connie is showing her audience how to turn their business around so they can support their families and fund the life of their dreams. Welcome, Connie. Thank you, Anita. I am so happy to be here today. Tell me what that means, fund the life of their dreams. Yeah, well, it's about creating a new relationship with money so that we are actually asking for and planning what we want. So, you know, there's a lot of things about you can go to a financial planner and create the retirement and save for that. But what would you like your business to add to your life? Because that's what our businesses are here for is to add to our life, add to the community, add to the big purpose that we're working towards. But we have to be willing to claim what we want. And I think a lot of us don't do that. We get into business and we do the things and we get whatever's left over what would it be great if you could like actually tell your business, I would like a salary of 60,000 a year. I would want to go on vacation two times a year. I want to travel as part of the business and actually put that into the plan and work towards that so that the business could like, okay, now I have a job. I need to go get money. And then money comes in and it's like, oh, hey, I have purpose. I have a reason to be here. So it's, it's part mindset of changing how we look at money and how we use it but it's also the empowerment of using your numbers and money in your business. I love that because one of the taglines that I've used recently is that I help small business owners leverage the power of social media so they can have a business that allows them to have the life they truly desire. And it's very similar, the life of their dreams, the life they truly desire. And I'm not talking about being rich or you know, having a big house, I'm talking about having, for me, my big goal is space, like space in my life, space in my business. And that's what I want to help small business owners with is using social media in a way that builds a business that allows them to do all those things you just said, and have space to enjoy it, Mm -hmm. right, rather than spend all day on social media. Yeah. 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 So, Tell us the story of how you got into this, because I think people are going to be surprised to hear how this happened. It's a long story, but we'll jump to the end part where because of a life change, I just stayed in bookkeeping. It was supposed to be a part-time thing. It was only going to be temporarily. I was going to do something else, but I stayed in it, got into public accounting and decided I couldn't do it. There was just a lot of things going on. I, I needed more freedom. That was the first entrepreneurial scream of like, I need more space and freedom in my time. And so I started my own bookkeeping business in 2001 and it grew for different things. It was a home-based business, solopreneur. Then I got this crazy idea as I'm like reaching burnout, 
because I had the world's worst boss being a solopreneur. If anyone can relate. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I tell everybody, my boss is such a bitch. <laughs> But then I got this idea, I hired a life coach that was a recovering CPA. <laughs> and so I'm like, oh, I can expand, I can teach, I can move into a different area. But again, it was just more hustle. And after six years of growth of having commercial space and team members, and I wasn't doing any planning. Here I am, an accounting professional. I created no business plan. I wasn't paying attention to my numbers. I was barely doing my invoicing so that the cash flow would keep coming in. Six years later, I hit a, a really low point and I was 50,000 in debt and I hadn't really paid myself for six years. So this is not a sustainable model. <laughs> Clearly not. Not a sustainable model. And with that debt just carrying on me, it didn't feel like I could easily walk away from it either. I, mm. I couldn't like shut the doors and just start over or do something or go get a job. So I had to refigure out what to do. And a coach at a time gave me the book Profit First by Mike Michalowicz which Mike is a really easy author to read. He's written Toilet Paper Entrepreneur and a few other books, Pumpkin Plan, which I have enjoyed. And it was kind of a light bulb moment. Now, the things that Mike talks about in the book, I tell clients to do all the time. And it was, so it was an easy way to introduce the topic to somebody. And I started implementing it myself. Now, the problem with the book, it is the foundational piece of what I do as a profit first professional. Mike said, make it your own. So it is the foundation but it didn't take into account that I'm a natural spender. And if you make me save, 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 or like 98% of what was coming in was already spent. So having only 2% to work with in my cash flow was very minuscule. So my spender would come in and she would freak out and spend debt would go back up. And so the book doesn't address any of that, that your natural habit of what you want to do with money. And so I had to learn that I needed to create a different relationship with money, that I needed to like have a grown up relationship with it now. So I did some mindset training as well. And so now I teach clients because I got out of bookkeeping because after I did all of that work, I looked back and go, oh, I really don't like what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. I don't know if anyone's ever built a business of 17, 15 years and like gone, oh, this sucks. <laughs> I think we all feel that way about our own businesses. Definitely at least once a year. <laughs> yeah. And so then there was that next moment of like, okay, how do you unbuild a business? But it was necessary for me to go through all of that mm -hmm. because that's exactly what I use today. And that's how I mentor clients through. And so the business now is still in that stage of like somebody would say the startup phase, but I'm not going to go through all that hustle that I've done twice. Now I am doing it much differently and I'm letting money and the business helps support what we're going to do in the next stage. Okay. So if you're not doing bookkeeping for people anymore, no. so what does that mean? How do you coach them about money? It's a lot about sitting with them. Now they can have their bookkeeper do the daily tasks and give them a basic budget. But when the entrepreneurs want to talk about their big vision, or I spend a lot of time with spirit driven entrepreneurs, and if they need to do a download or if they need to pause and check in with spirit to see what their intuition is telling them or where they're being guided. Most accounting professionals don't know what to do with that. And especially with creatives that want to talk in a different language, they don't want to talk specifics. You know, the bookkeepers and the accountants, like, what's the number? <laughs> what's the black and white of where you want to go? And so sometimes they need an interpreter to sit there with them. And then somebody with more business experience can like 
pull the number for them. Like they'll say, I really want to grow a business that has five employees and I don't want to have a commercial space. Well, great. Five employees. I can bring that through and we can do some research. And I know what that looks like on what the cost is. They just need to have the vision. And so I interpret it. I put it in a format where their bookkeeper and tax pro can figure out what to do with it next. And then we create this financial plan or the budget that the business owner can lean into and be educated about how they're using their money and how the numbers are supporting them. So it's, it's a little bit more education. There's oftentimes a lot of therapy, cheerleading, because I help remind them how far they've come with their numbers and money. And basically I'm there to like help champion their big dream because we don't have anyone that does that, right? Mm. You might have a spouse or a significant other that might, but in every day, if it's just us as a solopreneur in our business, we don't really have anybody saying, yeah, you're one step closer to what you want to achieve. And so that's the other piece that I do. Do you think that's in part because we're scared to share those goals with people? I don't put my goals out there. No, not the big goals, because usually the big goals, we don't have a firm idea of how we're going to get there. Those doors haven't completely opened. We just know that, that that's what we're working towards. And you know, what if we failed? Well, what if you did fail? I failed <laughs> and it was part of my journey to get here. Now it took me a while. Let's not say that I, I failed and then I was brushed myself off and I was ready to go. I had to work through a lot of things and realize that again, that was my flossom experience for my business was that those flaws were really strengths, mm-hmm. but at the time they felt like weaknesses and I needed to like, Oh wait, this is part of my actual purpose here on this earth this time around. I'm supposed to make numbers easy for people. And so all of this is how I can connect with entrepreneurs and business owners that are doing it themselves because I did it that way. And I know exactly what they're, what some of the things they're going through and with money and cash flow. I'm starting to think that I'm just a really strange entrepreneur because I want to go back to what you said where some entrepreneurs let their bookkeepers and accountants give them a budget. Yeah, well, they can create the base of a budget. (laughs) Because I have a bookkeeper and an accountant, but I come from a long history of nonprofit organizations and budgeting in a nonprofit organization is a very different experience than anywhere else. So I brought that with me when I started my business 10 years ago. My business plan is my budget. And I look at that and I say, well, here's all the money I need to bring in to hit the goal I want. And here's where it's coming from. And here are the expenses. And here's how much I'm going to pay myself every month. And I can't imagine maybe my bookkeeper and accountant would look at that and say, I'm crazy, but I can't imagine handing that over to somebody else to decide. Well, they can help create like the basics of it. You're in the like top 10% of businesses that actually use numbers in their business. Most businesses get started and don't pay attention to their numbers until they get their tax return at the end of the year. Then that's when that happens is that at the end of the year, they have a tax bill that they haven't saved for. They didn't plan for. And they're like, I didn't pay myself what happened, but they've been using the money to live on. So they were paying themselves. They just weren't aware of how they were using the money, but that's called the hustle phase of business. Now, a lot of businesses go through that usually between years zero and five or seven where it's just so much of being found on media, getting found in their general area, getting people to come in and then finding a way in the process to duplicate it and then maybe hire a team or however they're going to grow. 
a lot of businesses don't use numbers in that fashion. Like we learned in nonprofit, or I spoke with somebody yesterday, had a big corporate background. If they didn't have either of those, they wouldn't have learned what a financial plan was. And so they don't plan for anything. And that's also why we've seen COVID hit businesses really hard is that there was no, I I mean, we didn't expect COVID. So we had no plan of cash reserves or anything, but the businesses I've been working with before then were starting to plan for another recession. So we were starting to save more money in the business just so that we would have a little cushion as we went into the recession that we were expecting. (laughs) Yeah, definitely didn't plan for taking a year of being in lockdowns and all that kind of stuff for sure. So how do you share all this knowledge with people? How are you putting these messages out there? Mostly it's video. We do know, like, I am somewhat of a unicorn in the financial industry, mostly of how I, how I talk about it, how I talk about emotions and mindset and numbers together. So video is the best way. They've got to hear me or, or speaking of some sort. And so now since COVID, we can do podcasts, but really if you are still waiting for somebody else to get on their platform, you might as well do video yourself and put it on your platform. And so it's something I, I still don't like to do a lot of, I mean, put me in a room. I'm going to be super nervous before I do anything, but put me in a room and I'm fine. And I can talk about business and money all day long with anybody that wants to talk about it. It's my favorite thing <laughs> to do, but if it's the video, it's still my, still my moments. <laughs> it's hard, isn't it? When you're just kind of staring at, especially if you're not talking, like we're having a conversation over zoom right now. We've got facial expressions, but when you're recording a video and it's just you talking to the computer, it's hard, isn't it? It is. So it's my creative brain too. So I think I go into a video thinking I want to say one thing and it starts coming out and I'll go, oh, that's stupid. Let's no, you can't say that. Oh, well, that was long. And I mean, it takes me 10 tries to get a three minute video. So I'm also in the creative stage as I'm shooting these videos. So I think that's the other thing is that I don't plan it ahead of time. So the process, again, a lot of women want to talk it out. And that's part of what I do as well with my clients is that they just need to talk about money and numbers. And so I think I use the same process with my videos, which is why they seem to take forever to do. I'm very much the same. I like to just, when I do videos, I might have a list of bullet points in front of me. I mean, I'm talking to you today. I don't have a list of questions in front of me, which some podcast hosts are probably going to hear and say, oh my goodness, how do you do that? You got to know what you're going to ask. I just like the conversations. I've listened to some interviews where it's just like, okay, she answered that question. Next question, next question. You know, and that doesn't sound good. I like being able to just talk it out and I've said on stage before, I never know what's going to come out of my mouth next. Yeah. (laughs) Sometimes you just, something comes to your mind and you say it. And sometimes you regret that. (laughs) Yes. My use, like your throat chakra opens up and words just keep flowing out in your brain. It's like, where are you going with this (laughs) type of thing? So, yeah, I've had to apologize on stage. Like not apologize, but is, oh my goodness, I'm sorry. I didn't know that was going to come out kind of thing, you know, or just say things. You sort of gauge the room and see, okay, how inappropriate can I be in this company? (laughs) And then all of a sudden something comes out. 
So I've done that many times. That's part of being Flossum is they get to know how you speak and how you think. And, and I think that's what really shows your personality is when you're, you're doing that kind of stuff. And that's why, that's why I was so drawn to your podcast is because when I first got into Profit First, I did a lot of blog posts that were very much showing my own personal story and being very vulnerable on a blog. And I would have other Profit First professionals who are very much accounting professionals, right? Very number focused going, can I, you know, link to your post? And I'm like, just write your own story. <laughs> just, just do it yourself. But I realized that not everybody wants to be vulnerable. It's that perfectionism. I mean, I still, mm. it still shows up for me as well, but the more you can be vulnerable, the more you can connect with the right clients, having that faith that that is who will be connecting to you. So how does that perfectionism show up for you now? Perfectionism shows up for me now, I think mostly, and I don't want to do it. It gets on the calendar. I have space for it and something will come in. I'll let something come in. And so I keep pushing it and pushing it and pushing mm -hmm. it. And so then at the end, I have to do it. And then it feels like a chore and then it's not joyful. If I just can get in the space to do the video where there's joy that a the videos come out way better, <laughs> there's no filter on that. It's in the moment, but yeah, I have a couple videos I need to shoot for May <laughs> that I'm got to work myself up for to do mm -hmm. right now. So that's perfectionism is holding that back a little bit. Yeah. And perfectionism, it just keeps us in this perpetual state of stress, mm -hmm. right? Because perfection is not attainable. I just don't believe you can attain perfection. And therefore, we're constantly chasing it. We're constantly in this state of stress. Yeah. And it stops people from implementing new tools in their business or hiring somebody. I'm not ready yet. Everything's not perfect. I can't bring in a new person on. Or in our leadership skills, like, oh, I don't have my shit together. I can't hire anybody. I can't let anybody see that type of thing. And in reality, that is actually a good skill for a leader to show is that they're being human. And it, I mean, you wouldn't tell them all your stuff, like all your personal stuff, but that you're being a human person at leading your business is mm -hmm. not a bad skill to have. In fact, you create better culture and you attract team members that are going to last longer and buy into the culture that you're creating when you are. So let's go back to those first few blog posts that you <laughs> wrote. And how did you feel posting those first few vulnerable posts about your story, about having the word failed seems so mean to say, but having failed as an accountant or a bookkeeper? <laughs> yeah, it's funny is those were a lot easier to do than my videos. And I think because I didn't say failed. I said lesson learned. Mm -hmm. And so my, a lot of my blog posts always have my lesson learned. And that's just part of my style. It's my natural teaching style of like, this is what I learned. Let me show you this may save you time, but it's not the end all do all solution. It's just my journey here. And so, yeah, I've always tweaked it as being the lesson learned as part of it. So here's the teaching. Here's what I learned. And now it's your turn to do something with the information. Yeah, I can't I, find those videos now, but they have really good ratings. <laughs> why can't we find them? Well, because we took that site down because I'm no longer doing bookkeeping. See, again, when oh, we okay. made this conversion, it was like, what do you keep from the bookkeeping? And what do you let go of when you pivot your business and go in a new direction? So those aren't able to be found now. Okay. So when you started making videos, 
Yes. What were your fears about, like, what are the fears that are holding you back from making videos today? I really, I don't like to hear myself on video. (laughs) That's a common one. (laughs) And at first it was, is this even interesting to anybody to do? When I first started doing videos, I even did a couple, like when I first got out of bed, hair was messy. I had to force myself to do a few of those just to get more comfortable with the camera. The other one is I get tongue tied. Sometimes the words don't flow as easily for me. And so will that happen? So that's why I don't do a lot of lives is because I'm afraid of falling on my face about whatever topic I'm going to discuss. Isn't that interesting? Because I love doing lives because I don't script them for one. And I think it's for me, I mean, I I get that not everybody's comfortable with this. But for me, I think it's hilarious when I get tongue tied and trip over a word. And then I just make a big deal out of it. And I laugh about it. And I move on. But I totally get that that's not for everybody. But I think that's part of why I like lives. So I'm going to take a little bit of encouragement from you. (laughs) And do some lives. I guess also, I've never had it, but I've been definitely on a live with somebody who has gotten some trolls. And I Mm -hmm. think a lot of people fear that piece too. But I just fear like, is anybody going to see it? You know, my friends might, they might come on and support me. And I always, I always appreciate that. And I like to get on and watch my friends so that I can cheer them from the background. But yeah, will anybody see me? Will anybody find me? I think it is all my marketing is like, am Mm -hmm. I doing this just for me? Well, let me tell you, I've got a client that she's a lawyer. So a lot of people would think her content is very formal and boring, kind of like accounting and money and that kind of stuff. And I encouraged her to start doing weekly live sessions of just her talking about her topics, because I could get her talking and she would talk and she's animated and funny and, and not formal at all, like you think a lawyer would be. And at first she hated it absolutely hated going live. She was like, I think she wanted to fire me, (laughs) hated it. And then all of a sudden she started, not all of a sudden, but she started getting people in her community saying, Oh, I caught your live last week, but they aren't commenting. Caught your live last week. That was really helpful information. Thank you. And so people started emailing her and commenting on her things and just telling her in the community when they'd see her out for coffee or whatever that they were watching. So then she started to realize, okay, people are actually seeing this and it's helping them. And it's slowly, it's starting to turn into actual business calls too, but it does take a while. So I think we have to remember that even if people aren't there commenting live, they're still watching. Maybe they're still seeing it later. And it takes time to build that up, but people are watching. That's good to remember. Every now and again, I do appreciate, I have a new subscriber that will send me an email. Like she got the email about the uh, joy soundtrack that I have on my YouTube channel. And she's like, I have a song that I want to recommend for it. And we're like, yeah, let's add that song. That's a great song. We don't have that on there. So I always love to get some type of response back. And it just, it, it's like, ah, my people, I can. <laughs> I can have further conversations because I think that's part of the video too, is that it's just a starter conversation. It's not the whole thing because people have really short attention spans as far as <laughs> video is concerned. So you got to break it into shorter pieces. And nowadays, the other thing that we don't have on ours is the closed captions. 
because I tend to watch Instagram videos with the sound off because I'm in a shared space. So I don't usually listen to it. And the closed captions are really very helpful for me to understand what's going on. We have a team member that has a hearing problem. So we want to make sure that it's accessible for everybody. Mm -hmm. That's our next thing to add to all our videos. Well, the good news, you're uploading videos to Instagram. So it's a little bit different, but live videos are auto captioned now. So that's great. (laughs) It's also interesting to see how Facebook is very California centric in terms of the dialect that it picks up. So there are some interesting words that pop up from uh, the East Coast of Canada dialect that I speak. (laughs) Yeah, it's interesting to see them, but they're there and they're helpful and we don't even have to think about it really. And and I think that makes it more inclusive for people to digest the information too. Yeah, absolutely. Tell me about the most flossome thing that's happened to you on a video. Do you have any of those stories? Well, there are a set of videos that my team loves that I still can't believe that people like. And it was done on a whim. One day I worked out (laughs) and I had a clarity thought moment and I had my hair pulled back and I had my workout outfits on. And so it was totally unprofessional, no makeup, nothing. And I jumped on and did a video and sent it to my team and they were like, this is great. Can you do more? I'm like, no. Do I have to? (laughs) And in fact, they're still asking, can you do more? (laughs) Oh, okay. Well, first off, that means I have to exercise more (laughs) to get there. But yeah, it's letting go of all of that. And then again, it's that visualness of it. Like I never think my hair is done right. I always think you can't see my eyes very well or I'm too tired. But, you know, my Zoom camera does a marvelous job at smoothing everything out. And I forget that until I watch the video later. But yeah, that's probably the most. I mean, a long time ago, the other part is watching my hair, the style of my hair go from short to long. (laughs) Like I said, it takes like 10 or 15 tries. A lot of the time they get cut out before I build up enough steam or on the last try, my dog will bark. I'm like, got the perfect take. And my dog goes totally off. And I'm like, that's what it's going to be. But people love dogs. So that's okay. (laughs) Where do you come up with the ideas for these videos? They usually are part of what we're doing in marketing or When I first started, I actually sat down and did a marketing calendar with different topics for each month. And I will say that's hard to hold. A 12-month marketing calendar is hard to hold. Three months, six months, that's easier. My creativity can still connect. But over nine and 12 months, my creative connection to it kind of dies off. So Mm -hmm. it has to be more in the moment. And so every month, I usually pick a topic that's kind of relevant to what's going on. Sometimes what's normal of like May is, you know, April just finished. So that was tax season. So DNA of your, what your, the fear you have around taxes is in your DNA. So we usually play around with that. And then by write a blog post, we might do a video on it or do some other tips around it. My Ask Connie Anything are tips from the audience or from anyone that asks. So if I get a lot of questions asked, I'll usually do a video on it. 
So yeah, it's all about those things of what's inspiring at the moment. And if somebody asked me a really great question, or I had a question in a session with a client that I thought was really powerful, I'll go and do a video on that. Awesome. Those are the things I tell people to watch for too. The conversations, the questions that you're constantly answering for clients or potential clients. Sometimes things just pop up during the week. With me, with social media, they could introduce a new feature today and I could do a blog post about it if I have time to figure it all out. But it's usually the things that are going on around or questions that people are asking that you get the best blog posts or videos about. And did I hear you say that you're repurposing or recycling your content? So you've got a blog post that becomes a video that becomes yeah. tips. Yeah, I was running a, an e-zine, so an email newsletter that we were posting communication tips on. And so we're pulling those from last year, created blog posts for them this year. And then we'll create some videos on it too, because people don't absorb the information the same way. Some people want to hear it like books. Books are a great example. I'm a big fan of audible books or audio books for fiction. And I love a good fiction narrator, but for business books or educational books, I like a hard book. So I'm absorbing the material differently. Mm -hmm. And so the same way that your audience may be absorbing it differently. So how can you picture it out? And we are starting to look at grabbing some of our podcast interviews and pulling out snippets too. So not only to help promote the podcast, the hosts of having us on it, but also bringing out some of those nuggets of it. And that's my next blossom moment. I just don't want to go back and listen to myself on it. It's hard. So how can you work around that? But it's something I will get used to because it's good practice to go back and listen to your own interviews so that you can see how you showed up, how you answered the questions. And we're going to use transcripts service mm -hmm. so that I can help pull all those nuggets out. That's a good way to do it. Cause some people like to put the transcripts right on their websites as blog posts, but oh. even if you want to rewrite it as a blog post, you've got the basis of it right there. Yeah. One way to get over that dislike of going back and listening to yourself is to have a podcast manager or have somebody else do it for you. So I have Leanne, hi Leanne, who edits the podcast for me and picks those snippets to go out as promo. So I don't have to go back and listen to my own voice. Nice. nice. Yeah. So, so maybe I'll have to add that to my team. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's something your team can do for you. It's definitely having those videos and those sound snippets is very helpful. Yes. And I'm just a big fan of anytime you put an effort into creating any kind of content, blog, infographic, downloadable, video, course, whatever, you need to repurpose that in as many ways as you can, because you've put all the effort into creating the thing, but the pieces of the thing are all, like you said, all different ways of talking to people. And not only do people absorb it in different ways. One person might absorb it from tips and one person might absorb it by reading the blog post and another might see the video. You're constantly getting new people in and they won't have seen it, you know, a year ago when it was in your newsletter, because they've just signed up for your newsletter now. So why wouldn't we do that stuff again? Yeah. You can't use all that effort just once. No. And so I think when I first started doing marketing, getting really heavy into it, I spent a lot of time blocking my time and creating a lot of stuff in the beginning, but you don't have to block your time and do all of it at once. I do find that it's easier to once a month, taking a half a day 
and doing creation and then using that to repurpose. Mm -hmm. And the other thing is we talked about adding a team, like I have my team do it. Adding that team member doesn't have to be that expensive. So if your audience is a lot of solopreneurs to think about it, because I remember as a solopreneur, I was like, oh my gosh, something more for me to do, something more to add to my list. It's something you can outsource pretty easily to do. It's just finding somebody that can match your style and your culture so they can hear your voice and pick those things out. I think that was the hardest thing to find was somebody that can match Mm -hmm. my voice. Yeah, that is the hardest thing to find. I mean, I've recently started working with a blog writer, actually, and I love writing a blog, but it's one of those things that I don't always have time to get to. And so I've started working with an outsourced writer and I will send her kind of an outline of what I'm looking for. And she sends back the article and I edit it to make sure it sounds like me. But honest to goodness, if you find the right person, there's very little editing that has to happen there. And And it's worth it because she sends it back to me and I spend 20 minutes editing and putting it in place, whereas it would have taken me three hours, right? The opportunity cost is the only thing I remember from economics in university is the term opportunity cost. And it's the cost of what you're giving up. Another silly example, but I now have a mobile tire changeover company come and change my tires from winter to summer and summer to winter because they will come to my driveway and do it in my driveway and I don't have to spend three hours going to the shop to do it and I can sit and work nice And so it costs a little bit more to have them come to the house but I gain three hours of work right and so we have to look at those things I think a lot of startup businesses are scared to look at things that way yeah again it goes back to the financial plan of how much support you want And the other piece we don't look at our financial plan is bandwidth. And that's what you're talking about is I only have so many hours a day that I can devote to the business. I want people to think about that working harder is what you need to do. It's not. That's an outdated philosophy. And so if you want to work the life that you want, you want to create the life you want. It doesn't necessarily require that we have to spend the first six years of our business working harder that we lose our family and our relationships outside of that. You want to have that balance per se. (laughs) You want to have a life and your business at the same time. So how are you going to create that? And most of that is going to be outsourcing and leveraging your time so that you can do what you do best and allow other people to come in and support you. And I think that's the hard part is like receiving that support and being okay with that. And that's so you can shine at whatever you do the best. Do you think some of that for, because you work with people's numbers a whole lot more than I do for sure, but (laughs) do you think some business owners when they're starting or when they're new, they can't do it because they don't value their own time? Like they see that it costs X to hire a podcast manager and how many hours they'd have to work, but maybe they're undervaluing how much they charge for their own services. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's, I think a lot of the time is when we're not being paid, we don't feel like the business is taking care of us. We're not pulling a paycheck. That was my first thing. I remember being in a mastermind and my coaches, I'm on a hot seat. A hot seat is you're in front of a space with other people looking at you as your coach is is talking to you. (laughs) And I was paying my credit card each month. And I considered that part of my I'm paying myself. And my coach is like, no, I want you to physically cut yourself a check. I want you to have the experience that your business is going to physically cut you a check, put it in your personal account, and then pay your personal credit card Mm -hmm. from there. And I broke down because I was like, 
I just couldn't make that connection that the business could support me. And I think that's part of it is if, if the business isn't physically supporting us and we don't see it that way, how can we hire somebody else? Aren't we supposed to do all the work and be, again, it's that business has to be hard mentality that we have to do it all ourselves. And that just needs to be removed. Some people are really good at technology. You want to learn WordPress. You want to do that. You Maybe that's one of your strengths is a learner. Great. That's not one of my strengths. And so if we could take time to really learn where our strengths are so we can focus on that and then figure out what the numbers can support and then allowing, okay, I want to add a website or I want to add a designer or I want to outsource my blog posts. First, you got to ask, what's the cost going to be? What does that look like? And then go back and being empowered by your numbers and saying, okay, business, I want you to create money for that to happen. What does that look like? And all of the entrepreneurs I've worked with are marvelous manifestors. If they really desire it, they will create it. So if that's something you truly desire to get that support and be out there, let money come in and support that for you. But you have to like, again, be empowered by the numbers and know what that is and start working towards it so it can happen. It won't just happen overnight. The money's not going to drop from the sky. Trust me, I waited a long time. For that to happen. What do you mean? $50,000 just didn't magically appear when you told the universe you needed $50,000? No, you have to take action. (laughs) (laughs) You have to take a step. And a step could be calling to see what the cost is or asking somebody to work with you. That's still the one thing I still struggle with is making that ask, doing a call to action at the end of my videos. It's like, I have to remind myself, people need to be invited to work with you. They're not going to just call you. Sometimes they do. You need to invite them in. And so same with money. You have to invite it in and let it know how can it support you in the best way. Well, I think that's probably a really good spot to end this interview. A nice motivational manifesting moment. I like a good alliteration. Tell us where we can best connect with you. Sure. Well, moneyactiontips.com is a great place to get started. I really want listeners to know if you had any questions, if there were things that you don't know what your next steps are, there is opportunity for a 30 minute call on there. It's free, no charge. I just want to make sure people know their next steps. And it could be, I need a bookkeeper. I don't know what accounting tool to use or what is a cash handling system. It can be anything around business or accounting or numbers, but that's a good place to start. There's also a free report on the first three steps of the cash handling system. Awesome. And which social platform are you most likely to find people on? I like Instagram. So it's Connie.VanderZanden. I occasionally am over on LinkedIn. I will admit social media is not my favorite place to be on, but I'm having a lot of fun on Instagram right now. All right. So people can find you on Instagram and we'll have all the links to your program and your 30 minute calls and your social media and videos on the show notes over at beeflossom.ca. So everybody can pop over there to connect with Connie if you're driving or something that you can't write that down right now. Thank you so much for joining me today, Connie. I think this was a really fun conversation. I think people are going to get a lot out of it, even if we didn't tell them they can manifest $50,000 instantly. Oh, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I I had to let the leprechaun go that did that. Thanks, Anita. I had a lot of fun today. (laughs) Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to Beef Blossom, the Good Enough podcast. 
Before you leave, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss next week's episode when I'll be talking to another perfectly imperfect entrepreneur. If you're looking for the show notes, head on over to beflossom.ca, where you'll also find all the links to connect with today's guest.